Greetings and welcome. I am Dr. Carol Gambule, your host on Word Anchor Podcast. I'm also an author and a publisher. This weekly podcast covers a wide range of issues that we face in life and the solutions that are provided for in the Word of God. I aim to encourage, to teach, motivate, and guide as we move along in this life's journey. Please subscribe, download, and share this podcast. Someone out there needs to hear this message. I hope you enjoy this episode. Greetings and welcome. The title of this episode is The Joy of Knowing. During my time in school, from high school to varsity, when exam time came, we would be given a scope. Um, That is guidance on what areas of the subject we should focus on, as that is likely to form part of the exam paper. Though the intention of learning and examination is for students to study and know everything in that subject matter, But a scope assists the student in narrowing down the exam preparation. It is not being given an exam paper, but it is assisting a student so that one does not focus on everything. When I look at the issues we face in life, it would be awesome if we all knew what is going to happen in the future so that we are prepared. I definitely would like to have a scope of life, really, to know what is coming for me tomorrow. We get weather forecasts that tells us what to prepare. Uh, whether we need an umbrella or whether we need to stay indoors. Today, even the insurance companies will send you messages if there is a storm coming in the area where they see or know your car to be in. We get a focus on the economy so that we can prepare in case maybe there is a downturn in the economy. Companies need to be prepared. We would be better prepared if we got a glimpse of the future on everything and life would be much easier. God has been giving people a glimpse of the future and a concealed present. He prepares his people as he sees fit. Some are small things like which road to use to avoid traffic to serious things like impending travel. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 8 to 10, it reads, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the men of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the men of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Now, this is a very powerful story to read about, where God prepares a king and the nation on where their enemy lies in wait for them. God is omnipresent. He is here and he is there and he is everywhere. His eyes are everywhere. He sees. He knows everything. He is omniscient. He knows all things. Some people think of God knowing things when it comes to sin mainly. They have been threatened before about God knowing their hidden sins. Some have been coerced into confession of sins by being told that God saw what they did. I'm a mother and I've also used this line too on my children. You know, when they don't listen, and they've done something and they've concealed it and maybe you ask them and they lie about it. I've used this. God has seen what you are doing. And I think the children get immune to that threat. They tend to ignore it um, if you use it many times. But wouldn't it be nice to know that God knows my choice, the upcoming troubles, 
and even my tears. Could it be that God is only interested in telling me about my sins only? I don't think so. God is not only looking at the sins you commit. He is interested in your well-being. He sees your tears just as in numbers you hear. He knows even the deep thoughts you have before you even speak. He already knows it. Even before you pray, he already knows what you need, what your desires are, and what you want to ask him. So just as he knows your thoughts, he also knows the thoughts of your enemies before they even vocalize it and hatch a plan for your downfall. Now that's the good news. So he sees you, the things you do, the good and the bad, but he also sees your enemies. So if he can talk to you about the good things, he surely is going to tell you about the bad things as well. In the book of Second Kings chapter 6, this story of Elisha and the Syrians is recorded. Elisha was a man with a double portion of the spirit of Elijah, and he was used of God mightily. So when the Syrians wanted to attack Israel, God revealed their plans to Elisha. God chooses to do this as he wills. You cannot force a revelation, but God graciously chooses to tell you what will happen and when it will happen. When the enemy plans to attack you, the best thing to can happen to you is knowing the plan before it's carried out, praise the Lord. God's revelation enables you to prepare. A battle that finds you unprepared, child of God, is deadly. It gives you no time to prepare for a counterattack. By the time you respond, there are casualties already. The story of what happened at Pearl Harbor was horrible. To be found unprepared was devastating for the U.S. The soldiers had to jump and rush to their posts, run like mad, whilst others were falling next to them. They had to load their barrel as it was a matter of life or death. They fought back hard as it was, unprepared as they were, but they still managed to fight back. But they lost a lot of soldiers on that one day. Child of God, you cannot afford to be caught unprepared. The enemy is roaring like a lion. He must find kingdom warriors, kingdom citizens ready to bring him down. Better still, the kingdom warriors and citizens must go and surprise him and tell him to stop with his plans. God revealed to Elisha where the enemy was camping. So what would have been a fatal attack on Israel became a resounding victory against their enemy. Elisha told the king and he went on an offensive and caught the enemy by surprise. Not just once, but many times. It is always sweet victory to catch your enemy of God in the act of trying to destroy you. This word of knowledge and the word of wisdom that reveals what the enemy is doing, where he is camping or where he is going to camp at such and such a place, it is empowering. And God reveals these things more than once to the king of Israel. And this frustrated the plans of the Syrian king to the point where he asked his soldiers, which one of you is a spy? You see, the king trusted those people, but someone was telling the king of Israel his battle plan. And his men answered to him, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Second Kings chapter 6 verse 12. So, closed doors conversations were revealed and Israel had victory, praise the Lord. Now, when Jesus came, he told his disciples many things that had happened and those that would still happen. So this thing of revealing things, the future and the current, did not end with the old prophets in the Old Testament. But Jesus did the same thing. He told them, 
This is what is going to happen. He told the woman of Samaria, you have had five husbands. That is in the past. And the one you are with now is not your husband. That is current. Jesus Christ told that woman. Jesus prepared her heart to receive love by informing her about her own life and she recognized him as a prophet. Then Jesus Christ revealed himself as the Messiah. You see, this woman was an outcast in her society. She went alone to get water from the well. So for her to receive the good news, she needed to recognize the person who was speaking to her as a prophet. And Jesus Christ used that opportunity of revealing the things he knew about her. And though he knew those things, he still was prepared to speak to her. Jesus Christ said to the disciples, one of you will betray me. I actually laugh when I think about that encounter. Imagine you're sitting at dinner table, you're having nice conversation, and the Lord says, one of you will betray me. I mean, you could probably hear the pin drops. Who is it, Lord? Is it me? No, it's not me. It can't be me. No, I love you too much, Lord. He told them, the son of man will be betrayed and handed over to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. I'm sure the disciples became sorrowful at this time. Jesus Christ had to prepare them for this time. They had to begin to look back in scripture and see what was said before about the Messiah. Jesus Christ told Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. I'm sure this is one of the lowest points in Peter's life. He was one of those that were zealous for the Lord. He was the one that was first to do whatever, even the craziest things, Peter was there to do it. He's the only one that walked on water. But then the same Peter was going to deny Jesus Christ three times, not even once. It was a pain for Peter to hear what Jesus Christ had to say to him. But he had to be prepared that Jesus Christ knows what you are going to do. Jesus Christ knew that Peter was going to fall, but he still loved him anyway. Jesus Christ also told them, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. And the disciples, they remembered all these things when they happened. You see, revelation, child of God, builds one's faith and connection with God. The mere thought that God has found it fit to tell you, a mere human being, something that you would not have known except by divine revelation, is humbling to say the least. God reveals what will happen to prepare and to strengthen us for whatever is coming. He reveals what has happened to give us closure on a matter, to help us make sense of the situation, and even to comfort us. I remember when I lost my grandfather, God revealed to me at the time his spirit left, before I could be told. It came to me as if I received a call in my sleep and was told that he has passed on. So I woke up and checked my phone. There were no calls that I had received that morning. I got up, freshened up, and went to the kitchen to cook. And I prayed first and then began cooking. An hour later, a call came through. I had left my phone in the room, so I did not answer. Then my husband came, and he said a call had come through his phone, and it was my family, and they told him my grandfather was gone. The Lord had prepared me for the news an hour before. When I was calm, I told my husband about the call that I had in the dream. I see it as God having prepared me. Nothing much, nothing major, no big reason except that God prepared me. I had spent that hour praying whilst I was cooking, denying what I heard in the dream and praying for him to leave. 
But when my husband told me that my family had been trying to get hold of me, I knew immediately that it had happened. You see, some of these revelations are not for you to change what is to happen. The best thing to come out of it, even through the pain, is knowing that the Father cares so much about me that he talks to me about such things, even as serious things as somebody departing. Of course, I miss him. But when I look back, I stand in awe of God, revealing this. Not a precious moment, but a precious moment between me and God. It was not easy, but God gave me comfort before it happened. Paul also received revelations of what was going to happen in his life. He knew that he would be arrested and that was revealed through Agabus, who took his belt and tried it on himself and said, whomever owns this belt will be bound like this in Jerusalem. Paul went to Jerusalem knowing that he was going to be arrested. Paul knew he was going to testify in Rome about Jesus. He approached the storms of life with the joy of knowing and being prepared. I remember also that one time in my life I had a storm at work, long time ago. I saw it brewing, but I did not know the form or shape it would take. One day while in conversation with my colleague, I spoke out of the blue what my boss was going to do to me. The colleague I was talking to said to me, Never, they won't do that to you. I told him, Watch the space, they will do it. It was not a possibility in his eyes. There was no reason for them to do it. Yet I spoke it without even thinking about it. Two weeks later, it happened just as I told my colleague. The beauty of it all was that I knew it and was prepared for it. I did not put up a fight as I would normally do if I felt mistreated. I just asked for a pen so that I could sign and get it over and done with. The boss was seriously taken aback, did not know what to say to me, told me to go and think about it. I was ready for it, but out of respect, I took the letter, went to my office, signed it, sent my personal assistant to take it back. You see, the flesh wanted me to gloat and tell the boss how God had prepared me for this, but the spirit said, "Mm -mm, be gracious about it. In essence, I needed to be gracious about it because had I not known this beforehand, I would have thrown all my toys out of the court and the court itself. But Jesus, gracious Lord, had my back. He knew that it was not a time for me to act foolish. With so much grace, I had no qualms about the matter. And from then on, what was planned to frustrate me brought me so much joy. I had the best time of all my career. I mean, I flew to different countries doing what was meant to hurt me, but it worked out for my good. What was planned to frustrate me, what was done out of malice, God turned it around for my good. I can look back and say, God, you are so good. You see, the prophets of old were used of God to tell Israel many things. David knew when to attack and when not to attack because God revealed it. Many kings that followed after him also had that benefit. Even those that were not pleasing to God had the benefit of his mercy at times and he will use a prophet to tell them what to do about the impending battles. When Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, for instance, came to fight Israel, the prophet told Ahab that the Lord will deliver the great multitude to his hands by the young leaders of the provinces. The same Ahab, who was the husband to Jezebel, God still used a prophet to tell him about the impending battles. Israel won the battle. The prophet came again and told the king that the king of Syria will come again in spring. 
the Syrians surely came back again, for they thought that the God of Israel was God of the hills. But if they fought in the plain, they might win the war. God sent a prophet to tell the king that God will deliver the great multitude again into the hands of the king. 1 Kings 20. Israel won many battles with God's word. Once God said you'll win the battle, they did, except if someone did something wrong in the run to the battle and displeased God. God revealed to Abraham that Israel will be enslaved for 400 years. When 400 years had ended, it was time for them to go, and no pharaoh in the world could stand against the word of God. So if God has said it and has given it a timeline, believe God, that time will come and the word of God will come to pass. God revealed that Israel would go to Babylon for 70 years. And no matter how the king screamed and beat up Jeremiah the prophet, the word of God remained and was fulfilled. And at the end of 70 years, God raised up King Cyrus, about whom it was written by prophet Isaiah 150 years before he was born. It was time for Israel to go back home. God had spoken it, and it came to pass. God revealed to Joseph the threats looming for the baby Jesus and where they were supposed to go to. The church needs to hear from God even today. Every believer needs to hear from God. May your enemies find you prepared. May you surprise your enemies with an unexpected attack. May you walk graciously into battles with the confidence of revelation about the battle. May you not be embarrassed by your enemies when they find you wanting and not knowing what's happening. The church needs to know even today. Ours is to move closer to God. Ours is to pray to God. Reveal these things, Father, to us. We want to know. We wish to know. We wish you to tell us what's going to happen in the future. COVID-19 came. There was not much word about it. It caught us unprepared. We need to pray to God. Raise up prophets. Raise up apostles. May your voice resound clearly in our ears. Show us the future, Father. We know that the book of Revelation speaks about the future events, but the daily things that we're facing even today, we need the Father to reveal these things to us. May the church of God hear from God. Pray and ask God to reveal things concerning you and your family as he revealed to Elisha and the king of Israel, as he revealed to Joseph, as he revealed to Abraham, as he revealed to the prophets of old, to Elisha, to Elijah, to Isaiah, to Jeremiah, to all the kings of Israel, to the apostles, and to everyone that believes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The same God that revealed to Elisha what was to happen is the same God that is able to reveal to us even today. Some of the things may seem too small, but they build a relationship with the Father. They bring joy. They enable you to walk graciously into a battle, to walk into a battle knowing that we are victorious already. Even at times when you will lose that battle, you will lose it graciously because God has prepared you that this is just not going to work out for you. There are many battles that are faced in life. In some of those, God prepared me. In some of those, God revealed them before they happened. We thank God for the prophetic voice. We thank God for the ears that hear him. He who has an ear, indeed, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
May your spiritual ears be opened. May your spiritual eyes be opened. May we see the future together as the church and be built up to win the battles that are ahead of us. Shalom. Thank you for listening to Word Anchor Podcast. I hope you were blessed by this message. For copies of my books, go to Amazon.com. Check out the show notes for more details. Until next time, stay blessed and continue making the Word of God your anchor.